Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. 1967, when Israel uh, regained the uh, uh, parts of old Jerusalem, and uh, specifically the uh, what's called the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, which had been in Jordanian hands, and for the first time in 2,500 years, uh, Jews were free to worship uh, uh, at that Wailing Wall. It was a uh, very moving experience, and uh, those who observed that uh, saw uh, uh, grown soldiers uh, weeping as they're standing, realizing that now they're in possession of what is the holiest site uh, uh, in uh, Jewish religion today is the retaining wall of Solomon's temple, Herod's temple, the, uh, both the, the first and second temple, and that they were able to stand there in freedom and had possession of that and had access to that, which was the holiest site and is still in the Jewish religion. Very emotional, very moving day. Uh, many years ago, and uh, the first uh, trip that I took to Israel in 1975, we were able to go into the Church of All Nations, and the Church of All Nations is built on what is supposedly the rock on which Jesus prayed uh, and agonized in prayer uh, just before his betrayal and crucifixion. That rock then was uh, open. Uh, there were uh, people of our tour party that actually uh, 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 knelt down, kissed it, uh, went through an emotional uh, drama. Uh, today you can go many times and outside that church and benches, you'll find people that are on these benches trying to reenact and uh, in a, a great emotional uh, orgy of sorts. They're trying to reenact the suffering of Christ and you'll find them weeping sitting on those benches today. And there often are events or circumstances or places that will trigger uh, a deep emotional manifestation. Sometimes these are very, uh, they, these are very bizarre. But I want to think with you for a moment about emotions in religion and uh, from this passage in Luke uh, chapter 22, examine something that is very uh, very powerful, and it plays out sometimes in the emotions uh, of uh, individuals, uh, and uh, it begins to take on uh, an understanding that we need to lay hold of in Luke 22, if you'll follow there with me, beginning with uh, verse uh, 39. I want to speak about emotions and religion. Coming out, uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, 
He said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will that take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Uh, then his sweat became like great drops of blood uh, falling down to the ground. When he arose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Emotions uh, and religion. I want to talk to you about the, the, the reality of emotion. We can't deny that we are emotional creatures. Can you say amen? We have a dimension within us that is emotional. This is a very prominent part. We have been created by God with an emotional dimension. And we're able to experience sorrow. We're able to experience joy. We're able to experience fear. Memories often are triggered. And this causes emotions to be triggered. We are uh, people who have been created with a soul, and those who study uh, say that the soul is made up of three elements, the intellect, uh, the will, and uh, the emotions. There are entire books that are written to try to cure uh, emotions that are out of uh, kilter. There are movies that are created to try to display or trigger emotions. Uh, there are seminars that deal with and clarify the subject of emotions. Uh, and uh, 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 many people uh, are seized with rejection. They live their entire lives uh, under, the, uh, under the cloud of rejection. Many times uh, they have depression that are triggered. Uh, their emotions are out of uh, kilter. And I think I mentioned in an earlier uh, sermon that much of the medical industry focuses in and uh, create uh, medical uh, 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 mood-altering drugs uh, to that. So we have the reality this evening of emotions. Uh, and there's a Bible record here that we want to look at in verse 45. Uh, here are the disciples, and the Bible says they are sleeping for sorrow. That is a very, very interesting statement. Or in other words, it leads us to understanding that these people... Uh, uh, have uh, been emotionally exhausted uh, and uh, and uh, in the issues that are surrounding there, all that is involved, uh, there's an emotional exhaustion and the Bible says clearly they're sleeping uh, for sorrow. Now Jesus warned the disciples in the book of John chapter 16 and verse 20, he said, most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament uh, uh, but the world will rejoice uh, and you will be sorrowful. So this is a real dimension. We have a long history in the Bible of this. One of these is Elijah. He's a very interesting, he's a stellar example of this business of emotion. You know the story. He challenges the prophets of Baal, have them come up on Mount Carmel. And uh, there's 450 of the prophets of Baal. He's in a contest with them. Uh, they try all day to uh, uh, get uh, Baal to uh, uh, respond and answer their prayer and kindle fire. Uh, and uh, Elijah's there in this uh, very, very emotional uh, uh, landmark decision. Finally, 
Elijah stands, uh, he calls out uh, a few simple words, let the God uh, who is God answered by fire and fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. This is a, 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 a landmark uh, uh, experience with Elijah. Uh, he's, uh, he's caught in the emotional drama. If you've ever been in uh, a before crowd of people and you've had to uh, uh, minister and you've had to uh, uh, demonstrate, then you can understand exactly what I'm talking about. So there's been a drought on the land for three and a half years that Elijah brought by his prayer. And uh, as this uh, uh, drama unfolds, then he begins to go to prayer and he prays and he sends the disciples and said, go, go look uh, uh, toward the ocean and see if there's any cloud coming. There. And it comes back. There's no cloud. He does this seven times. He, he, uh, he uh, intercedes in prayer seven different times. Uh, and uh, undoubtedly, this was not just one or two words. Uh, this was a, uh, a uh, intercession uh, with emotion. And finally, he comes back and says, yes, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. And, uh, and, and Elijah says to Ahab, you better jump in your chariot and you better haul out to Jezreel where you live uh, because we're going to have a rain that's going to be a rain. Uh, and it absolutely happened. He then, uh, by foot, he outruns the chariot, goes to Jezreel. When he gets to Jezreel, uh, uh, Jezebel uh, says to him, if the sun goes down another day and you're not dead, uh, then I'm not queen. Uh, and he runs for fear. He goes down, uh, he's under a juniper tree. And as he's under a juniper tree, we find a little, uh, uh, a little bit of inset uh, 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 in the scripture, 1 Kings 19 and verse 4. Remember now, he's been in this uh, contest. Uh, he's run all the way to Jezreel. He's in a conflict now. He's, uh, he's fleeing for his life. Uh, and he's sitting under a juniper tree and listen to his words. Uh, uh, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it's enough. In other words, he said, I've had it, Lord. This is it. This is the end of the road. I've had it. This is enough. Uh, now, Lord, take my life uh, for I'm no better than my father's. Now, uh, I have to read that and uh, feel there's a little bit of hypocrisy there. If he really wanted to die, all he had to do is stay in Jezreel and, uh, and Jezebel would have taken care of that. Can you say amen? But here he is, he's in this emotional turmoil uh, and we can understand that uh, uh, because uh, there is a, a dimension of our personality that we're swept from side to side and we often go through uh, these emotional uh, dramas. Uh, you know the story of Jonah. Here's Jonah. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And uh, I want you to say, uh, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be destroyed. Uh, Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh. He goes down to Joppa to catch a boat uh, that's going uh, uh, to Tarshish, I believe, uh, over uh, that we believe would be Spain today. And uh, as he's on that, uh, uh, God brings a tremendous storm. Uh, and that tremendous storm uh, is so bad uh, that the crew of that ship uh, are fasting. And when you get sinners to fast, you've got a problem. Can you say amen? And so uh, they find him. He's down asleep. And uh, you'd have to play that into the uh, issue because I want to tell you, I believe that, uh, that a part of his uh, problem was uh, that he'd shut down emotionally uh, and he's asleep there uh, and they wake him up uh, and may I bring this little insight uh, 
that when you run from God, you're going to be emotionally swung from side to side. No one who runs from God is going to have a stable emotion. I've run into backsliders and say to them, uh, uh, good to see you. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> if I was doing any better, I couldn't stand it. Don't kid me. There's a backslider on earth that has peace of mind. Can you say amen? Here's a man that God directly gives him a command. I want you to go speak to Nineveh, prophesy to them. And he says, I'm not doing it. I'm going the other direction. And so you know that this man cannot have a stability of heart, a stability of soul. He's got an emotional crisis. And here is the challenge of life right now. You have to fit into the varying range of of emotions that you go through. You have to fit these in. You have to uh, uh, put these into a proper perspective uh, and you have to process these in life. Uh, and the key to soundness uh, and the key to sanity this evening is being able to take the, the circumstances of life, uh, being able to properly process them, uh, put them as I preached a couple of weeks ago in the proper slot uh, and you'll be able to process that. If you do not do that, uh, then you're going to be swung from side to side, uh, from emotional highs to emotional lows. Uh, you're going to be unstable. I'm, God's been dealing with me to preach about stability. You're going to be unstable uh, because we are all emotional creatures uh, and we have to take the experiences of life, the arena in which we function, we have to process properly process that uh, and put it in the proper place and deal with the issues uh, of life. We are emotional creatures and this is the reality. Here's the danger of emotion. One of the common pro uh, uh, problems uh, is that, uh, the, uh, that people uh, develop various processes to handle uh, the uh, emotions uh, in which they're involved. Whole industries thrive uh, on the emotions of human beings. There are, there are drugs, there are counselors, there is literature, there are mental hospitals. There's a whole range and a whole array of practices and, uh, and industry. They thrive on people who are having problems with their emotions. And the reason they're having problems is an inability to balance life. Listen to Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit uh, than he who takes uh, a city. So what the, what the scripture is talking about there is the issue of self-control. Self-control uh, is a wonderful dimension of life. Can you say amen? Self-control. Self-control is the key to sanity. Self-control is the key to good relationship. Self-control is often the key to, uh, to, to good health. Uh, and if you do not have self-control, uh, you're going to uh, uh, improperly process the circumstances of life. Uh, and as Christians, uh, uh, the difficulty is we often do not take seriously uh, the factors uh, of uh, the events of life, factor these in, properly deal with these, uh, and overcome these sometimes with just common sense. How many of you know that common sense is a rarity today? Common sense. I often am talking with people and uh, I'm listening to what they have to say. They've been uh, tipped over the edge in emotion and just common sense would tell you uh, what to do. 
uh, if you use some common sense, uh, it'll tell you uh, that you shouldn't do certain things. Uh, you shouldn't associate with certain people. You shouldn't be involved in certain uh, activities. Uh, and common sense will tell you that. But common sense is a rarity in the age in which we live. Uh, and uh, this is the danger that we have uh, in emotion. I want to just talk about a couple of these. One of these is to uh, improperly assess uh, the present uh, uh, circumstances uh, that you're in. Now, in this scripture, Jesus is in the, uh, in the garden. This is a turning point of history. Here in this uh, prayer, here in this circumstance, there's a turning point of history. Uh, and Jesus says to them uh, in Matthew, as he relates this event, uh, could you not pray one hour? So here he is. This is the hinge pin of eternity. This is the turning point and the, uh, the factor that's going to depend on uh, world redemption for eons of eternity. And he says to the disciples, you stay here and pray. I'm going to go pray over here. And uh, the disciples are there. And as he comes back, they're sound asleep. You ever go to sleep in a prayer meeting? You're sound asleep. Think about the, 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 the momentous uh, uh, moment uh, that is there. Crucial crisis time in history. And if you'll notice, uh, the top three disciples are also a part of this. They're there. And this lets us understand it's possible to, uh, this evening for you to have an office, to have a, a uh, position, and yet be insensitive to spiritual reality. You know, there are times in life uh, that are absolutely crucial to the outcome of your entire destiny and future. How many of you know that? There are times for that. But it's an interesting thing that you can be insensitive to the issue of the hour and be diverted aside. You can have an office, you can have a position, you can be known for certain things, but unless you begin to recognize the moment and the crucial moment of time, you miss this tremendous event that we have. Jesus is praying. As he's praying, uh, I think uh, 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 all, the, all the gospels give detailed events. Some of them give a little bit of insight as over a little bit more than that. But historically, uh, this is a danger time, uh, and uh, this is a defining moment uh, in life uh, when emotions uh, will begin to dominate and emotions begin to rule the actions that you take. In the book of First Samuel, chapter 16, and verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, uh, for I've provided myself a king uh, among his sons. So here is uh, Samuel. Uh, Samuel is there. He's mourning for Saul. He's, uh, he's uh, obviously uh, very deeply emotional, mo emotionally moved uh, because Saul has missed God. He's disobeyed God. Uh, Samuel is not willing to just let that go and say, I'm going on with life. Uh, I'm going to go on and do what's right. Uh, but he apparently is there. And as he's there, God becomes upset with him. Uh, and he writes this scripture. How long are you going to keep this up? Uh, I want you to feel your horn with oil. I want you to go down to Jesse the Bethlehemite and I'm going to anoint a new king uh, for him uh, for, for me among his sons. In the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 33 here's a story of King David. Uh, you know Absalom has rebelled 
as he's rebelled, uh, he's uh, met a sad fate. He's been killed. He runs under an oak tree. He catches his long hair. He's there suspended, helpless. Someone runs a dart through him. His name is Joab. Uh, and they bring the news to David. Uh, and listen to these words uh, uh, that we find. Then the king was deeply moved. And he went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, uh, he said thus, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I died in your place, oh, Absalom, uh, my son, uh, my son. I preach a whole sermon concerning that and some of the events are there. Joab comes along and uh, gives him a heads up and says, If you continue to this, uh, you're going to lose Israel. Here you are. Here's a rebel. This rebel has sought to kill you. He would have killed you. You'd be dead if, you, if uh, he had his way. He's rebelled uh, against the kingdom. And here you are. These people went out, risked their life uh, to protect you, risked their life uh, and fought uh, in your behalf. And here you are, rather than uh, see the issue of the hour, you're weeping over this rebel. Uh, and uh, Joab comes up and said, unless you change today, you've lost all all of Israel, you need to change your, act, uh, your attitude and your activity. We have Joshua. You know the story of Joshua and the defeat of Ai. Here, uh, you know the story. Uh, Achan has stolen uh, uh, the silver. He's taken the Babylonish garment and uh, he's hidden him in his tent. And Joshua is down before the Lord. He's, uh, God, why? What, what, Lord, what is, it? what is this all about? You sinning in a sinner. And God said, get up, get up, get up, get up. You got problems. There's sin in the camp. Sends him out. He does a little polling. Uh, Holy Spirit polling and comes up with uh, Achan who has stolen or taken rather has hidden this uh, and then not only that uh, but the most horrible part and this is a part uh, that makes another sermon God says Israel has dissembled they have covered this up now I'm getting on a real nervous area of Australian character dissemble means uh, that Israel knows this, but they won't dub. That's the whole sermon I've got coming down the road. <laughs> Get up. You got problem. They discover it. Take care of judging the problem. Then go on uh, to do the will of God. And here's an issue that we need to properly process uh, as you're talking about emotions uh, and the danger of emotions. Uh, and that issue is that God has a will. The will of God is certain people in certain places at certain times doing certain things. The will of God is not this uh, uh, widespread, uh, just uh, be religious, carry a Bible, go to church when you feel like it, do whatever you want to do. As long as you're religious, you feel good. Uh, why Everything's going to work out all right. The will of God uh, is certain people uh, at certain times uh, in certain places uh, doing certain things. Uh, and if they're not doing that, that is not uh, the will of God. Now, emotions carry a potential uh, for a fatal uh, dimension. Here's the story of Joab. I've already mentioned his name. Joab hated uh, uh, Abner. And the Bible says that when he caught Abner at a, an emotional moment, uh, this has a long history. I'm not going to take time to go through all the events that are there. But this incited him to murder, and this brought a judgment upon his life. We have the story of Absalom. His sister Tamar is raped by Amnon. 
uh, one of the half-brothers. Uh, and uh, Absalom is filled with rage for this because it doesn't seem to be judged properly. Uh, and uh, as he is not able to process that uh, in the period of time, uh, he's on a course that finally is uh, the destruction of his destiny. His gifts are wasted. His life is wasted. Uh, and this is because uh, of emotions, because emotions are deadly and they can be danger, uh, dangerous uh, unless you properly process them and are able to fit them in to the proper place in life. Now think about the text that we have here for a moment. This is a turning point in history. Could you not pray with me one hour? He goes back, he prays, and as he comes back now, he's able to say to the disciples, sleep on now, sleep on now. They missed one of the key defining moments in life and that was being able to join with the Lord Jesus Christ in his prayer. And that would have established a reference point for their entire life. And it's possible, I was just musing about that, it's possible that this factor in, in Peter's life was the one factor that when he has an opportunity to speak, when the little maid accuses him and says, and you're one of those Galileans also, but this horrible denial, it's very possible that in that moment of temptation when he cursed and swore and said, I am not one of these. I'm not the denied the Lord. That horrible moment. Uh, and as Jesus uh, uh, is going out, he turns and looks at Peter uh, and gives him that gaze. Uh, and Peter uh, wept, went out and wept bitterly because he had missed. It's possible. And that's just my speculation. It's possible that the lack of strength, uh, as Jesus said, uh, pray lest you enter into temptation. It's possible uh, that the reason Peter failed in that moment of opportunity, when he could have said, yes, I'm one of his, uh, I'm a proudly a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, whatever comes, it does not matter. It's possible uh, that it was that moment uh, when uh, he allowed uh, uh, the emotions of the moment to overwhelm him rather than uh, stand strong uh, in prayer and uh, back up the Lord Jesus. We have the story of Moses. You know the story about Moses. It is a, it is a moment in time. The people aren't acting correctly. How many of you know that God's people don't always act correctly? Does anybody recognize that, you know? And uh, as your uh, leader or you have some kind of office, you have to learn to control uh, your emotions uh, because half the time you want to strangle them and half the time you want to help them. And so here's Moses, he's having a bad day and uh, the people are crying out for water and as they're crying out for water, they begin to blame Moses for this event. They're blaming God. God says, I'll meet the need. You go speak to uh, this rock. I'm going to work a miracle. And they're going to have uh, 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 water for, to slake their thirst. But by that time, Moses has had it. And he's had all he can stand. And he takes a rock and strikes the rock and says, here's water, you rebels. In that moment of disobedience, God said to him, that's not what I told you to say. And for that moment, he did not enter the promised land, but he died outside the promised land because he could not keep his emotions in check. I want to talk to you about gaining the victory over emotion. Sin perverts your entire being. Can you say amen? 
And the devil, who watches very carefully, uh, he exploits every event of life. uh, And what happens in sin is that sin twists and perverts the human heart uh, and and pulls it in upon itself. uh, And the human heart becomes twisted. uh, And Jeremiah cried out in Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 uh, and said, The heart uh, is deceitful uh, above all things. and uh, is desperately wicked who can know the human heart. First Samuel 15 verse 23 says uh, uh, these words. Uh, it says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft uh, and stubbornness uh, is as iniquity and idolatry. Let me explain that verse of scripture to you. Number one, when he says uh, that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, he's speaking about a spirit uh, that is conveyed and that is, port- that is passed on on people who are in rebellion. People who are in rebellion are not just neutral. If anybody tells you they're neutral, they're lying. There is no such thing as neutrality in life. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Okay, we've got some of you. There are others we're carrying along as we go. The reason that is spoken about is that witchcraft is the attempt to dominate another person's life. uh, And there are practices that people go through, incantations and various charms and and, uh, uh, chicken feathers and uh, all kinds of things that they're going to do. And it's an attempt to dominate another person's life uh, and control them. This is what witchcraft is all about. Uh, If you read in Galatians chapter 5 where it gives the works of the flesh, it'll mention witchcraft. Uh, King James says sorcery. Some of the translations say witchcraft. And uh, as you uh, begin to read that, you begin to say, I thought this was a demon spirit. Well, it is a soulish realm and it is the ability to project and to affect another person's uh, life. Uh, and this is why it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It w- is the attempt to cause other people uh, to be swayed uh, to their agenda and to their opinion. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. The reason that word is used uh, is because a person who is stubborn is a person who is ruled by self-will. And they have dethroned God upon their heart, uh, and they rather have put their own will uh, on that. That has become their God, uh, because that is what, they, uh, what rules their life uh, in all of life. Jesus emphasized this evening uh, this business of emotions. In Matthew 15, verse 17, he says, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murder, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, uh, and blasphemies. Uh, and you can write this down, Take it to the bank and deposit it. And that is that the devil will exploit uh, an emotional person and he will exploit an emotional church. When you are ruled by your emotions, I want to guarantee you that the devil will exploit that part of your personality. If your church is built on emotions, then he will exploit that in the process of time. And this is why we have solid teaching, solid guarded ministry, and we have a solid projection of where we're going, what we're doing. Years ago, uh, I, uh, I, I, I was uh, uh, talking to one of our pastors. He had a, a pioneer church, and, and uh, God was doing good things. He had a good, uh, a good movement going. And he had a, a preacher in, an evangelist. Uh, and uh, uh, the reason I know this is because uh, uh, my daughters were in a music group that went up to sing there. 
And so uh, what, he, what this evangelist, uh, his procedure was to hype the people. He got them hyped. He'd play a guitar and he'd get them up and standing and he finally had them dancing and uh, in an emotional orgy. And they came back and said, Dad, that's really an odd evangelist. He said, and they told me all the, uh, all the circumstances about that. And uh, later that week, uh, uh, that pastor called me and he said, Pastor, I don't know what's happening here. And I said, uh, why? What are you talking about? He said, uh, we've got fornication breaking out everywhere. And these people, I don't understand what's happening. And I said to him, brother, flesh begets flesh. The spirit begets spirit. Because you have built and you have triggered the emotional dimension in your church, and you're making that a part of your services. Uh, you're, you're, uh, uh, you're homing in on that. You're encouraging an emotional orgy and hype during the services. Uh, then you are producing a spiritual dimension, uh, or fleshly dimension, rather, and that fleshly dimension will manifest, uh, and that's what's happened to you. Now, let's look at the Bible for a moment, because the Bible gives us God's salvation. God's salvation is aimed at transforming an individual and giving them a balance in life. Prayer is the key to release of the wholeness of soul and spirit. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 22, verse 46, Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So what we're going to have to have in life is we're going to have to have God's intervention in our lives that we do not be ruled by our emotions. If you're ruled by your emotions, I want to tell you the devil will exploit that. He will lead you in a wrong pathway uh, and you'll be a victim because of your emotions. Uh, in 2 Timothy 1.7, the apostle Paul said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love uh, and of power uh, and of a sound mind. How many of you are capable of, be, uh, of, of being fearful? You hear some rumor, you hear some, and uh, it's a, but I want to tell you that uh, God's God. He rules in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. He has not given us a spirit of fear. Regardless of what happens in life, uh, God is able to give us a stability. Uh, and regardless of what happens or comes down the pike, uh, we're able to say, uh, I am not going to be ruled by fear. God is still God, uh, and he rules in the heavens above and the earth beneath. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind uh, is stayed on you uh, because uh, he trusts in you. Or in other words, what I've just said, regardless of what happens, you believe God. And if you believe God, it produces a stability of heart and soul. Philippians 4, verse 7, I preached on this recently. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard or will garrison, is what the meaning of that word is. It's a military term, your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Decisions that are based on emotions uh, this even often are mistaken for the will of God. People are ruled by feelings uh, 
and because they're ruled by feelings, uh, they miss the will of God and decisions that are based on emotions, whether that's an attachment to an agenda that you have or somebody has, uh, is feeding into your life an agenda or uh, trying to get you to do a certain thing. Uh, I want to tell you that the will of God is the target of hell. Listen to me. The will of God is the target of hell. The devil will do anything that he can to keep you from doing the will of God. Because the kingdom of God is built on certain people in certain places at certain times doing certain things uh, and the devil will do anything in his power. He'll bring any event to swerve you aside uh, from uh, the will of God. Look at, uh, at uh, Luke's gospel 22 verse 42. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, uh, but your will uh, be done. If you're ruled tonight by emotions... Uh, and you mistake emotions for the will of God. That means you're going to be ruled by feelings. I've had people sit right across the desk from me that are in blatant sin and say to me, looking me straight in the eye, Pastor, I feel really good about this. Well, I want to tell you, you may feel really good about this now, but when you're burning in hell, you won't feel good anymore. Can you say amen? Feelings are dangerous. If you make decisions based on your emotions, uh, then it's going to be based on how you feel uh, and you're going to miss God a million miles. Jesus Christ is standing before Pilate, uh, Pontius Pilate. And as he's standing there, uh, Jesus is uh, uh, there being examined briefly by Pontius Pilate uh, and Jesus speaks a word about truth. Uh, and here is this man. This man has the ability to dismiss him or he has the ability to crucify him and he's standing there he's turned into a cynic he's seen so much religion he's seen all this come down the pike and when Jesus talks about truth he said what is truth and there's truth setting incarnate or standing incarnate before him and one moment of, of, a, of a, a decision based on righteousness and what was doing right would have saved this man because history records for us that this man lost his mind. He could not pass a stream of water or water anywhere but that he would stop and incessantly wash his hands because all he could see was the blood of Jesus Christ upon his hand and history records this man died insane because he'd made a decision based on the emotion of the moment. The crowd is shouting for the crucifixion. The crowd is crying for the blood. And Pilate says to them, this man has done nothing worthy of death. And they shout out, let his blood be upon our hands and upon our children. And that prophecy not only is fulfilled in them to this very day, but it's being fulfilled and Pontius Pilate uh, made a wrong decision based on emotions swayed by the crowd uh, because he did not want to go against them. Uh, and he made a decision that was fatal to his destiny. Peter, let's go back to Peter for a moment. Prayer is the key to the release uh, of wholeness uh, in your body. Peter, we can go back a little bit in his history. Jesus is saying to the disciple, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem and I'm going to be taken uh, by the hands uh, of uh, wicked men uh, and I'm going to die. 
Peter then did not so, Lord. That's, that's, you're not going to do that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And Jesus turns to him and says these fateful words to him. Get behind me, Satan. You savor not the things that are of God, but you savor the things that are of men. And in that moment, he outlined for you and I the danger that we have. We have our own agenda that we want to put to the will of God. As I was preparing this sermon, reviewing it, I was thinking about the wonderful trigger of the Jesus movement that gave birth to our movement that spread around the world. I was sitting in a house on Rosser Street in Prescott, Arizona. I was there with four individuals, and as we were there, uh, they were talking about the, 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 what God was touching young people, and, and we had some young people, young hippies were getting saved, and we're trying to decide what it is that we need to do. And uh, in that place, uh, there was a man who wanted to start a drug house. He wanted to start a, uh, a, a house where he's going to take these young people in. He's going to train them. He's going to determine their future and direction. And a decision was being made in that house. I did not control these young people. They'd come to church a, a few times. They were not locked into our church. But there was a young man there, and that young man was making a decision about which direction he's going to do. Go. This man was pulling at him, and uh, he was pulling at his emotion that he wanted him to come and be a part of that. And this young man was making a decision about what he was going to do. Uh, and he did not go in that direction, but rather he began to come to our church, and he began to come to our church. My approach uh, was, uh, was absolutely uh, in, uh, in a different direction. My approach was... Uh, that I believe in congregational gatherings of people and I believe in a pastor standing up to preach the word of God and leading people into their destiny and their life. That's totally different than that direction. I'm not saying that was all bad. It might fit in some places, but it, would, it, was not, it was not what that man should have been done. This young made a decision and he became the key to the movement that brought hundreds of young people through our church from all over the United States of America and some from foreign countries. And from that one decision that he's going to move and not be moved or exploited, but he's going to follow on to what had been put before him, come to church, listen to the word of God, let your life be changed from that decision only God knows how many souls have come out because that was a key moment uh, in our movement. Now today, uh, many, many people uh, 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 move in various kinds of directions. Uh, we have uh, TV preachers. We've got mega church uh, worship. We've got, uh, I can't believe there's a church down in Scottsdale, Arizona. And uh, this pastor had uh, 12,000 people in this church. And the reason he had 12,000 people in this church, he was standing in line to go to the Batman movie. And he got inspired. He saw these people were standing in line for blocks uh, to go to this movie. And he, he said, uh, uh, as this dawned on him, people do not want to be preached to. A message of repentance, a message of changing your life. Uh, what they want is they want to be entertained. It's dawned on him. He changed the course of his life. He hired professional musicians, the best he could get, 
to come and do programs, event-centered programs. Uh, this church went to 12,000 people in Scottsdale, Arizona. He had, uh, I think, 126 acres of land. He built a huge building. He had a heart attack. When he had a heart attack, they gave him open-heart surgery. He's out of commission for a while. He begins to visit churches, uh, and as he began to visit churches, he visited some churches that are disciple-making churches. This was a strange experience for him because he saw and felt uh, the genuine converts that are in that place, uh, and God smote his heart. He went back then to attend a service in his own church, uh, he had tried to get uh, other preachers to take this church. Uh, he had offered it to a number of preachers. And they said, are you crazy? His budget uh, was a million dollars a month. They said, are you crazy? I'm not taking that monster. And somebody said, wow, what an opportunity. He's sitting in that service, and he's sitting in that service in his own church that he had built God spoke to him and said, I'm not here. I'm not in this. He began to weep as he saw that the pattern he'd saw of disciple-making churches and the genuine converts he saw was legitimate. And he went before his board. He said, I'm going to change. If I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to change the direction this church is going. If you do not want me here, then you speak up now. But an honest group of men said, Pastor, we haven't been seeing genuine people get saved for a long, long time. We're just gathering a crowd of people. He immediately said that I'm going to change the direction. He fired all the professional musicians that were very, very good entertainers. They weren't living for God. They're just professional prostitutes in religion fired all of them, changed the core, began to challenge the church. Uh, and as he began to challenge the church, uh, 6,000 uh, instantly lost 3,000 people. They said, not us, we're boogieing. And before it was over, he lost 6,000 uh, of those people. And in, a, in an article, he describes uh, the agony that he had to go through, uh, but the tremendous joy that came to his heart as he began to see God genuinely moving people. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is that you and I are in this building tonight. We have to make decisions about life. And God, by salvation, has triumphed over the sinful nature of man, and he's able to change your heart and change your soul, and he's able to give you a triumph over emotions. Listen to Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as the Apostle Paul lays it down. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, the key to the healing of your emotions is real salvation. The key to the healing of your emotions is a discipline of life that you are able to bow down with a steady discipline of and diet of the feeding of the Word of God and discipline of prayer, God is able to bring your emotions into a proper balance 
you're able to hear the hard words that Peter said. I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to, no, 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 not so, Lord. Get behind me, devil. I don't want that to happen to me. Do you want that to happen to you? Salvation will help you to bring your emotions into balance. And as you're healed, you're able to properly process the events of life. And in the crucial moments of life, you recognize you'll not be sound asleep somewhere. He comes back. This is a hinge pin moment. This is a, a watershed moment in eternal history. And Jesus said, stay here, watch and pray, lest you enter in temptation. I'm going to pray over there. He comes back uh, less than an hour, apparently, uh, and all he hears is, <laughs> couldn't you watch? Couldn't you pray one hour? I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.